autistic people with quality of life and opportunity. You're listening to the Autism CRC podcast. This is the Autism at Work speaker series featuring pre-recorded audio captured during the live Autism at Work virtual summit event held in March 2023. Hear from over 40 local and international speakers, panelists and presenters, including neurodivergent employees and employers, as they discuss the important topics affecting autistic people at work. You can also watch this series on the Autism CRC YouTube channel. Well, hello and welcome to um, our next session, which is uh, a panel on employee resource groups. Uh, this is sponsored by AIG. My name is Andrew Eddy, and uh, very excited to moderate this panel. Um, I'm the CEO of Untapped Talent, and we've been involved with the Autism Work Summits for, for many years. Um, so I'd like to now welcome the panel members. Um, and if we can just uh, go around and if you can introduce yourself, uh, just to tell us uh, just in a couple of minutes, uh, introduce yourself, tell us about how you're involved in your organization's neurodiversity ERG and how it fits with your job. So if we could start with Imogen, thank you. Hi, thank you, Andrew. Um, so my name is Imogen Bird. I work for GHD, which is a um, consultancy firm. Um, been in the industry for about 18 or 19 years. And at the moment, um, my day job is looking after our Gold Coast office. I'm the manager of the office there. We look uh, have a number of disciplines in the Gold Coast office. Um, and then I'm also the um, ERG, neurodiversity ERG leader for GHD for Australia. Um, and that's um, something I do kind of on the side as a voluntary thing um, to, to compliment. That's probably me, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Imogen. Now, Elio, who's from Oracle. Yes. Hello, everybody. Um, my name's Elio Sapi. Um, I'm based in Melbourne. I'm a father of an autistic child, and I've been with Oracle for 26 years. I've been in the IT industry for about 30 years. Um, we're a large global IT company with 130,000 employees globally. Um, I currently manage um, customers and and, in, and I work with internal staff at Oracle across Asia Pacific um, in an individual contributor role. But over the years at Oracle, I've managed lots of global teams um, at Oracle. And I'm based in Melbourne, but um, I've worked for long periods of time in China, uh, Japan and Korea. That's that's me. Thank you, Elio. And, and now to Pierre, uh, who's based in Copenhagen, but is currently in San Francisco because he's speaking at a conference there. So over to you, Pierre. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, hello, everyone. Very pleased to be with you today. So yes, indeed, I'm Pierre. I'm working for Ubisoft, which is a, a video game developer. Uh, we are uh, present internationally and we have a, a tiny office in Australia. Um, so I'm uh, 51 years old, father of three kids two of them being diagnosed with uh, dyslexia and ADHD. And through their diagnostic, I realized that I was also uh, an ADHDer. Uh, that led me to create an initiative and found, uh, launch an initiative in Ubisoft two years ago, which was uh, uh, to create an employee resource group. Uh, I've been always working in the video game industry 25 years now. I have a manager profile and I'm someone quite passionate. It's all or nothing. <laughs> And I enjoy very much uh, um, management. Uh, and today uh, we will uh, see it later. I'm having a very specific role in our HR team uh, connected to neurodiversity. Thank you, Pierre. So now I want to go around and just 
dive in a bit deeper um, and ask each of you to say a bit more about the um, neurodiversity ERG that you your organisations have, the journey you've been on to get to where you are, um, you know, what's the structure of your ERG, how is it run, how long has it been running, how many people are involved, either directly or indirectly, and what types of activity do you undertake? So if we could start with Imogen. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so our neurodiversity ERG started in around 2018. It's definitely been an organic process and it's a volunteer process. So it's 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 people putting up their hand to be involved um, in their own time or, or that kind of thing. So um, it, we've probably got about 15 or 20 people nationally. So we 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 meet across Australia and GHD has lots of offices in lots of different areas of Australia so we connect across Australia which is good um, and we've got a we've got a mix of you know people with a with the lived experience of neurodiversity um, people um, who are neurodiverse and then people just with it with a passion and an interest for neurodiversity so I've got a good mix of different people from across across the company um, it's kind of evolved over time with the needs of the company, but I guess generally speaking, each year we sit down and 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 identify where we want to target, you know, our activities um, with throughout the year. And this year, and these are kind of key themes that have always been there, but we're still definitely focusing on awareness across the business um, for neurodiversity. What is neurodiversity? How does it, you know, how how does it add value to our business? Um, we're still definitely playing an internal support and advocacy role on an individual basis, um, supporting people who um, have come forward as identified as neurodiverse or, or looking at employing um, interns or, or graduates and, and helping support um, them and our people teams to, to make that a success. Um, um, and then, I guess leading on to that, the focus this year has really been on getting some some training and support for people teams and then then leaders to to help um, support the people. Because what what's kind of happened organically is the more we put out the awareness around different neurodiversities, whether it be through you know shares at, at meetings or, or, or internal intranet posts and things like that, the more queries we get back to the ERG. Hey, I think I've got some people in my my team who, you know, need some support or, hey, I, I've, I've just been diagnosed with ADHD and, and, and want to know, you know, where I can go for support. So it's, it's been quite grassroots and it's growing over time. So the needs of what we need to focus on are coming out of, of the people within our company, which is really exciting. So I guess the next step for us is, um, you know, some training and support for, for team leaders and, and people managers to help support people within their groups. Um, and also we're doing a, a, a connection role where people might want to be connected with like-minded um, people within the business. So we, we kind of play that role as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of what we're focusing on. I think, you know, my goal is that we move from having to be advocates to this being something that everyone understands and, and, um, and can, can support. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll slowly get there. Um, and I think one thing that we have learned along the way is, you know, anything that we need, we implement to support someone who's neurodiverse or changes we make to our, you know, recruitment processes and things like that, they, they support everybody and, and um, make it a, a better workplace for everybody. So I think that's, that's another key message that we're learning as, as we go through the journey.
So that's probably a, a, a brief summary of, of, of what we've been focusing on and where we see ourselves going, I guess, in the next couple of years. So Imogen, just a follow on question. Yeah. Did, you, did you see any particular breakthrough? Was there some time when you know, you're working hard at this and didn't feel like you're getting anywhere or, and then suddenly there was a, a bit of a breakthrough? I think there's, I think one of the things that really resonates with people is um, personal stories. And, and we've had a couple of those and hoping to have more if, if, if people are comfortable sharing their personal stories of, you know, transitioning to the workplace or having some success in the workplace and, and, the added value that neurodiverse people bring to the workplace that really resonates with people and um, I think more and more of those those real stories and taking away stigmas I think is really important um, and I think one thing we're definitely seeing a trend in is is the next generation of graduates coming through the 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 ne they're they're more aware they understand neurodiversity they're more open to it we've had lots of graduates saying they've you know, choosing companies who are supportive and understanding neurodiversity. So I think they're going to be the future and really they're going to be the ones that drive mm. it. And that's going to be exciting, I think. And and is your ERG involved in that? You know, that that public facing messages that are going out to to attract people? Uh no, not at not at this stage. Okay. Not as yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that could, that could be an opportunity, isn't it? Hundred percent. Sort of interaction. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. Thank you. Um, so now pass to to Elio. If you could um, just talk a bit more about the ERG at Oracle and the journey and sure. structure and so on. Thank you. Sure. So um, our ERG at Oracle, our neurodiversity ERG, started in August. 2020. Um, I was one of the founding members and I was a co-chair at the start, but now I'm here. Um, so it's been running since then. We, we've got uh, a number of ERGs um, that have been sponsored by our CEO, Safra Katz, um, at a global level. And uh, the neurodiversity network sort of falls under our Oracle Diversibilities Network that sort of run globally. It's a really big network. In, in JPAC, um, I sort of worked with HR to um, create a smaller network, which is neurodiversity, because I found the one in the US was, was very big. It was global, but um, it just covered too much. Um, so being the father of an autistic teenager, um, I have a lot of connections and was able to sort of influence that. So we started our ARG. Um, and my, my goal of the CRG was to basically, initially we didn't have any funding. Um, you know, some sign of funding, but nothing concrete. So we started with um, setting up our vision and our mission. Um, and we, we worked on that for a while because we didn't have any funding, but we wanted to make a difference in the organization. So we set up a vision, which we decided on was to improve awareness, promote inclusion and create networks. So those are the three drivers that have been part of our ERG from the very start. Um, and you know our mission is basically to have give access to a network of employees with invaluable information that can sort of help and support them. So that's been our, our leading drivers. And every meeting I start with our committee, that's what I start with. So we always stay focused on that. Um, so one of the reasons I want to explain that why it started is um, my family's experience with neurodiversity has been um, very difficult. We felt very alone 
since my son was diagnosed at the age of seven, our life changed tremendously um, in many aspects. Um, and, you know, my son can explain those in years to come, but we felt very alone. Even though there's very lots of services out there, there's lots of amazing organisations, we felt very alone. And I felt very alone in the workplace. So I wanted to change that for Oracle. Um, so we're an employee, we're a volunteer-based uh, team. Um, and uh, we we started with one team. A few people have left in the meantime since we started in 2020. Recently, I advertised for a position and um, I had 20 people apply from APAC to, for one position. I was like absolutely uh, ecstatic and I interviewed each of them. Um, some of them were neurodiverse. Some of them had a connection. Um, some of them were disclosed. Some of them weren't disclosed. Um, but I was so excited by that. We had a, a, a team of five people. I decided to make it 10 because <laughs> um, I just wanted to have some of the amazing skills that you know some of the people that work for us um, have, and I wanted to bring that together. So what do we do? We kind of, um, we're still working it out. I mean, I think an AIG needs to evolve and we're still working it out. We try and bring people to put together and connect people. So we've, people connect, um, anyone can access it. We run a Slack channel that anyone can join and people can share information, their stories, anything that's out in the media. Um, but as a committee, and, and people connect, people have come to me and said, I'm an autistic father in India, um, or I'm an Oracle employee that is autistic and I haven't told anyone, what should I do? So we're just trying to create networks. Um, as, a, as an ERG, we've got had lots of guest speakers in, um, and one of my key um, kind of points that I've sort of driven at Oracle is that we want to do our events need to be quality and not quantity. We don't need to have a million events, scheduled events. We don't need to do them unless we're really sure we want people to present and we want to pass on a message. So when we launched, um, I got Chris Varney from the ICANN Network, as well as um, Shadia Hancock, um, um, who has her own business, Autism Actually. Um, and I've known um, Shadia since they were three. Um, and and they're... One of their parents works for Oracle. Um, so we had this launch and we were amazed. We had 500 people turn up at the launch. Um, so we we're really, really excited. It sort of started from nothing. Um, we've had, uh, I've tried to include people from different parts of Asia Pacific. Um, so we've had an amazing school, autistic school in India, who um, basically an art school. It basically caters for any autistic kids that have a leaning towards art. And it's how it was founded. And the, the person that runs that school is amazing. So we had her present, um, and that really resonated with a lot of people. Um, we've had um, Autism CRM now present about some of their technology, which has been amazing. Um, and so, yeah, the events are really key. But what we're doing now that I've got a bigger committee that um, includes neurodiverse people um, and people that have a connection, where We've got a large part of Oracle is diversity and inclusion, and we have one, one person from diversity and inclusion as part of our committee members. Um, so we, we kind of work hand in hand with diversity and inclusion, and we try and keep HR updated. So we're not kind of doing things that are separate. We try and stay aligned um, together because we're such a big company that that can really happen. So yeah, the guest speakers have been amazing. Um, and we've started to see movement um in the business so 
people are now coming to us. So diversity and inclusion comes to us. Um, yeah, hiring parts of Horacle come to us. The last new, the last few hiring events that we've had, um, I've been a guest speaker for every employee that joins Oracle, where we've done sort of um, large masses of hiring um, of new employees to talk about um, our neurodiversity network and explain neurodiversity. So we sort of just by starting with nothing really, um, we've been able to now we've got you know HR in each country coming to us and saying we want to do um, an event together. We're having one um, next month. Um, with HR in Australia and New Zealand, and they're paying for it. <laughs> um, it's coming out of their budget. Um, and we're having Tim Sharp um, and his mother come to Oracle to sort of share their inspirational story. Um, so, yeah, so it's been really eye-opening for me. And it, the, the best thing that I've sort of had that have come out of it is that I've been able to help employees at Oracle um, connect that are disclosed or not disclosed. We're starting to take messages to large groups of management teams to kind of explain neurodiversity, but with some of their staff involved, um, which has just been amazing. So yeah, it's, I'm really proud of what we, where we've come. We've got a long way to go. I mean, I think Oracle's a huge company and trying to change lots of things is, is difficult like any huge company, but I feel we've got, you know, the right people and we've just released a video um, publicly through oracle.com globally. And it's got, um, I've got an SVP from Oracle who I personally asked to be on this video about neurodiversity. And I, we've also got three um, of the four of the five people that are on there um, are from my um, ONN um, ERG, um, talking about themselves, talking about why neurodiversity is important to them. So we've come a huge way in a short time. And Elio, we, you said you got a number of new members because you increased the size from five to 10 because of the number of people that applied. Has that created a step change in the things you can do or are you still working that through? So, so um, the, the five to 10 is the committee members. Um, yes. So yeah. the committee, um, the, um, the people that subscribe are from all, all over the region. So yes, it means that we can do more um, because we're doing it all on a volunteer basis. Um, it means that we've more, got more connections into the business because these people work for different parts of Oracle that can be quite disconnected. We've got 130,000 staff. So um, it's really important to get some of the messages in at the grassroots level. Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, even though our CEO um, has spoken about ERGs and, and sponsors them and so on, some of the, I think, fundamental change and some fundamental training needs to happen at the grassroots level. Thank you. And Pierre, can you just tell us a bit more about the, um, the Ubisoft uh, neurodiversity, ERG, and, and so on. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. Um, so um, on Ubisoft side, so we're, we're smaller than Oracle. It, it's just 23,000 employees across the world. Uh, we started the ERG a bit more than two years ago. And I, I founded the ERG, and the story is very similar to, to, to the one from Elio and also Imogen. Um, um, it was really for me a matter of um, uh, just being out of a very difficult experience as a parent of neurodivergent children. Uh, one of them has been excluded from school, despite the law, despite the protection. You know, the, the you you quickly discover, I think, when you 
when you are a parent of a neurodivergent kid and when you are yourself neurodivergent, you see the discrepancy between the intention and the reality. And there is a huge gap. And that gap can exist also in the company we're working. You might have very good you know, intention wording, but on the floor, day to day, this is not happening. And it is not fitting the reality. So to come back to the employee resource group, um, I founded it two years ago. Um, and from the very beginning, um, uh, we decided to make an, an international group. So it's on neurodiversity specifically, it's not under the umbrella of our broader organization or ERG like uh, ability, disability. No, it's specifically neurodiversity. Uh, and today, after two years, we gather 420 members from all over the world, 20 different countries, uh, all type of job, all type of seniority, and all type of stories. So we welcome, um, of course, individuals who um, uh, have been diagnosed or self-identify uh, as neurodivergent. Uh, then we have uh, people who, who have uh, relatives uh, or friends uh, who are neurodivergent. So they might be, yeah, it's family or they might be caregiver. And then we also have perfectly neurotypical member. And that's very, very important to us. Uh, because when you look at the message of neurodiversity, it is clear. It says like every uh, human being has, um, our brain is as unique as our fingerprint. So, so uh, everyone is unique. So it's important if we want to drive change to embark everyone on the journey. Um, so uh, basically we have that group now and the objective are the same as the one you had, uh, uh, explained by uh, Imogen and Elio. Awareness, raising awareness first, uh, uh, support inclusion, and then something specific to us. We are a video game company, so we want to explore the link uh, between uh, neurodiversity and video game. And uh, what is interesting on our side is that we, the way we gather is online. So we are a techie, tech company, well, qu quite techie. Um, uh, so we're using Microsoft Teams and we have a private online forum accessible to members only. And this uh, online forum is our safe place. Uh, and what is very interesting is that very quickly when we created the group, something did happen. We uh, did set up sub-community on conditions. So the first one was an ADHD. Then we had one for gifted, another for autistic, uh, another one for parents, another one for dyslexia. Um, and uh, it is working as a peer support group. So our, our, we don't do so much live meeting. We tend to prefer asynchronous discussion uh, through the, the Microsoft Teams online platform. Sometimes we're doing a team, team, uh, live meetings um, and the peer support group are just amazing uh, because it has been initiated by, not by me, but by the people in the group very quickly. And it was just like when we started, just like we opened the Pandora box. Because in fact, by creating an online private forum, we created a safe non-judgmental place and we created psychological safety. So as Elio was saying, in, in our group, we have all types of people and some are very open. They disclose, they share 
to their teammates, manager, HR, but still a majority doesn't dare to share and to explain. But when they enter the group, it's safe. So they can start sharing. And that's a very uh, uh, basic principle of psychological safety at work, is that not being afraid of being judged, punished because of what you're going to, to share and to say. So um, that's how it's been working so far. And what is interesting, what I wanted to underline is that, so 420, that's quite a nice number. And it's cool to see that every week we have new member coming. But it's about 10 to 15% of the community uh, who is really active or vocal, uh, right? Uh, uh, so it means that a, a, a big part of our community is remaining silent, but we value silent participation. Uh, just for example, looking at our, our uh, analytics, more than half of our community is, is connecting daily on our uh, forum. And uh, every month it's 95%. Uh, and we really want to cherish and value uh, uh, silent participation because it's important. Because we've seen so many people, so many of our colleagues who just joined the group and then they listened or they, they read. And at one point, for some, it, it, it took more than one year, they started to share. And, and I think that dimension is very, very interesting. When you do an employee resource group uh, and an employee-led initiative, it won't be only about the people who dare to talk. It will be also about the people who dare to join and listen. Because as Elio was saying, yes, at one point we were feeling alone. And suddenly you're not feeling uh, alone uh, anymore. So Pierre, how do employees join the ERG? Is there a process to go through or? Yes, absolutely. So um, in fact, we created a registration form uh, and it's an important step because by filling up the registration form online, uh, it's uh, uh, an engagement. Uh, and, and the most important thing is what we said at the very beginning. He says that we, 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 we want you, so you're in, you, you just need to, to uh, uh, commit to the fact that you have a genuine interest in our diversity. So we're not asking you to be diagnosed or to self-identify, no. You just need a genuine interest. And then very, very important, we ask people to join as individuals and not as representative of any teams or any organization. And this is the reason why within our group, we have HR member, we have managers. Uh, and, and you know, some people might be, because the HR who are joining, they join as individual, not as an official representative of HR. And it's a great news because we know that in their day-to-day -day job, they will take into account no diversity. So those ones will be among our first champions. But when they come in the ERG, they come as individual. And it is essential uh, to guarantee the, the safe space. Because that's why it looks a little bit like, oh, oh, so uh, HR people management is creating a group. So it's not very genuine. It's, it, it's not sincere. I'm not going to go there. Uh, because I'm afraid, because I might be judged. So 
that's very important the registration process and the sign up like you have a genuine interest you you confirm you have a genuine interest and and that you come as an individual and of course uh, you you uh, engage yourself to to be respectful of of all kind of opinion Elio or Imogen do you want to add anything to to that or else I have another question for, for seems like a very similar journey like I, I think um you know, uh, very similar journey at Oracle. Um, and uh, it's really great sharing this information because I think we're all, even just from hearing each other speak, we're learning, you know, things that are happening in different companies, which is really supports sort of what you're doing, like what we're doing at Oracle and Ubisoft, like we're doing some things very similarly. So it's kind of, you know, makes you sort of a bit more sure that you're on the right path. Okay, so Pierre, just a follow on question. Um, do you think there's a business case for having an ERG? Absolutely. I would extend the question to, is there a business case to embrace no inclusion at work okay. and no diversity at work? Um, I was okay. saying in the introduction that uh, today I'm doing a, a quite specific role. So the initiative I started, uh, um, well, um, had some results. And uh, a year ago, uh, Ubisoft decided to create an official non-diversity talent program. And uh, they proposed me to run that program. So here I am today. And uh, so I'm going soon to officially leave the, the, the leading chair of the ERG to be, to be really uh, uh, full-time on, on my new position. But what is the, the business case? It's simple. Embracing uh, no diversity at work, embracing no inclusion, it's a way to um, maximize your return on investment on employees' talent. And, and let me share with you a, a, an illustration, an example. And it's a story, okay? It's a little mermaid story. Uh, imagine that you are a company who wants to recruit the best singing voice in the world, and you found the ideal candidate. It's a little mermaid and she's living in Copenhagen. You recruit her, she signed a contract, and then you tell her, you know what? You're going to join our amazing development team, and, and they are gathered in one location in the world, and this location is in Austin, Texas. You're sending the little mermaid to Austin, Texas, and six months after, you go and visit her, and she lost her voice, and she's depressed, and she's not delivering. What did happen? Well, it's simple. The Little Mermaid to perform at her best, she needs sea water. And there is no sea water in Austin, Texas. So when we recruit individual in company or organization, we recruit talent and skill. And what we systematically forgot is that talent and skills are coming with condition of application. And those conditions are work environment preferences. We are all different. We all have our own preferences. Some will prefer to speak up, use their voice, others to write. Some will be good at in a immediate reaction. Others will need time to process. And that's neurodiversity. So the business case is really to maximize return on investment on employee talent. Because if I'm recruiting you, Andrew, for example, and then you're telling me I'm highly sensitive to noise and I answer you, yes, me too, but um, you know, um, I don't have money. So you'll, you'll work in an open space just like everyone because that's the way it is. 
It means that instead of accessing 100% of your talent, I will access only 50%. So in business, business term, it means that as an employer, I'm actively sabotaging my own investment, which is completely stupid. So when we recruit someone, we'll recruit talent and skill, and we need to understand that we need to, to deploy everything we can as an employer to create the right work environment so that you can reach your full potential because this is our best interest. So for us, that's a business case uh, and it's a strong one because if you, if, you, if you refuse it and don't follow it, then you, you fall into a uh, uh, one-size-fits-all policy uh, extremely normative policy, which is a little bit problematic because when you're in a business, you're supposed to innovate. How do you want to innovate if you constantly recruit people who are coming from the same school, thinking the same way, getting organized the same way? There's no creativity there. Thank you. Um, so I've got some questions coming through from the audience. Um, and one thing is around disclosure and you know whether you... Uh, uh, talking about people disclosing or whether you're trying to create a safe, safe disclosure process or whether it's something that you're not trying to promote at all. You're just willing for people to join the ERG and be part of the group. Um, Imogen, do you want to say anything? Yeah, about? sure. So um, at the moment, similar to what Elio has said, is there's no... And, and Pierre, there's no requirement to disclose, mm. and and I don't think that that's, um, you know, necessarily important. But there's definitely a, a push in GHD, you know, globally in terms of inclusion and diversity that everybody should be able to bring their whole selves to work. Um, so we would, you know, encourage everybody to feel comfortable to to bring their whole selves to work and disclose if they choose. But there's absolutely no no option and I, and I don't think there ever will be it's a personal preference I think but wouldn't it be nice if everyone felt comfortable to I think that's the end goal so um how are you are you finding situations where you're providing support for people who are facing challenges uh with their work colleagues and you're not understanding them um you know they're they're concerned about disclosing and not sure what to do and I'm not sure there's the understanding amongst their colleagues to to do that safely. I think that's less less and less of a concern, Andrew. I think okay. people are, are definitely feeling more comfortable to disclose. Um, more of our questions are around leaders saying, I've had someone disclose, how can I help them? Which mm. is a positive. Okay. I think on our side, Andrew, the, uh, yeah, and there's a majority of our member in DRG who doesn't want to disclose. They are still too afraid. Uh, it, it might be, yeah. You know, I think what is important to, to understand is that when you hire someone who is neurodivergent or anyone, you come with a story and a personal story. So it's not because you, said, you, you join a company who is open, who is proactive, that psychological safety happens immediately. No, you're going to, you're going to be doubtful because if your past experience in life has been negative all the time, that's going to be super difficult to win your trust. And that's the challenge here. 
And I would say that disclosure should never be an objective of an HR team or of any team. Disclosure is a personal decision. What should be an objective is that you do everything you can as an employer to create the right condition so that people feel at ease. To some extent, the objective should be, we should talk about, do you need anything specific to perform your work? That's the right question to ask. Because right now, if I'm looking at Ubisoft reality, the reality so far, despite our group and so on, we have a long road to go because a huge majority of our members, they don't dare to ask. Uh, and they're facing not evil people, but people who believe that um, granting accommodation is granting a privilege, that granting accommodation is creating a precedent. And those are false beliefs because many people are still stuck on the principle of equality and they don't get at all the principle of equity, which is a business concern because what does equity mean? It means that you're going to give uh, all the, the, what an individual needs to succeed. And as a business, you want individual you recruited to succeed. This is why you recruited them again. If you refuse to grant accommodation, you level up everyone, but not to the max, to the lowest. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Elio, um, just wondering if there's any advice, given all the things you've been through, um, any yeah. advice you'd give to organisations thinking about starting up uh, a group, an employee affinity group? Yeah. Um, I guess um, when you're starting up the group and you're looking for people to be part of the committee, I would look for people that are passionate, um, that have the skills that you need for the type of community that you're trying to run. Um, because it is employee run, um, uh, it needs, you, you need multiple skills. It's like running a little business really. Um, so, you know, you need people that can do marketing. You can need people that set up events. You need people that can um, help support people in the business. Um, so all those skills are fantastic, but you don't need to have them all straight away. You can just start little. Um, we just started little and we, the thing that, that I think has really been successful for us is having our, our vision and our mission there. So, you know, having passionate people, having a clear vision and mission with what you want to do. Um, and before you decide that, you know, speak to people in the business and sort of think about that clearly, sort of what, what your mission, mission and vision is. You don't need a budget. So that's not something that you necessarily need. Um, there's lots of really good people in the community that will do things for free. And there's people that you have in your current, um, you know, in your current workforce that, that will do things and add value. The thing that, that I think has really been helpful at Oracle um, is that I've had a lot of personal experience with people, bringing people together. So for, for 20 years of my time at Oracle, I worked in support. And we used to have country support, then we had regional support, then we had global support. So I was the person in Asia Pacific that ran that part of the business. And when we did that, I, I realized the power of bringing people together. I realized that we've got so much talent, so many answers to so many questions in our current workforce today. As long as you can bring those people together um, and you can have them collaborate, you can answer anything. Like, you know, with our neurodiversity network, I feel now we've got a, a huge network of people that, that 
I'm part of it, members. We've got a really good committee. Um, but it never feels sort of like once you have many minds together, you can do anything. Thank you. And Imogen, do you want to add anything? I think that's that's yeah. fairly comprehensive. I think the only other thing that really helped us um, give thing, get things moving is an executive sponsor. So the general manager mm -hmm. of Australia is on board and, and, and in, you know, focused on the success of, of the ERG. So I think that's important as well. And Pierre, have you got, I'm sure you've got something to say on that one. Yes. Uh, I think uh, to complete what Elio and Imogen said, um, you need to be aware if you are working in an organization, uh, public, private, you already have a lot of neurodivergent on board. It's just that they are silent because they are used to mask. Um, so just to give you an example, in the video game industry, there's a lot of neurodivergent people, but it's not said officially. You know, we did create video game, geeks, techies, nerds. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm one of them, so <laughs> there's a lot of neurodivergent. Uh, there has been a study in UK saying that among British game developers, four uh, percent self-identify on the autism spectrum. Four percent. Tell me today which industry has a four percent representation rate of autistic among its employees. But the issue is that no one knows it, even inside the company. Because majority of my colleagues who are on the spectrum, they mask. And it's a pity. Because when you mask, you spend a huge amount of energy. And it's an energy you're not using on the full expression of your natural talent. Um, um, so I would say to create an, er an energy, you might be alone at the beginning, but in fact, you're not at all. You'll be surprised by the number of people who will raise their hand progressively. So uh, look at it. And before, and if you consider as a company, if, if your manager, an exec uh, to launch specific hiring program, uh, my advice should be start taking care of your actual employees because you already have autistic people, ADHD people, dyslexic people on board. So sit down with them and listen because they have things to tell you and you will learn things about your own company. Some some things about what's not working well. And as Imogen was saying, if, if you bring modification, that will benefit everyone ultimately. Thank you, Pierre. Um, so thank you to Imogen, Pierre, and, and Elio for some great insights. Um, we're going to head off to the next session, um, which is um, a case study with My Way and Matchworks. But before you do, um, Please, uh, we really appreciate your feedback. So if you can take a minute just to complete the session feedback. Um, and then once you're ready to move on to the next session, um, just get back to the homepage or the agenda page and you'll see the sessions listed there. But thank you once again. And thank you to our sponsors, AIG, for sponsoring this session. I think there's been some great insights uh, provided by the panel. Thank you. The 2023 Autism at Work Virtual Summit was proudly sponsored by DXC Technologies, GHD Engineering, La Trobe University, Untapped Group, ANZ, and SAP. Autism CRC is the independent national source of evidence for best practice. For more information on Autism CRC or the Autism at Work Virtual Summit, head to our website, autismcrc.com.au.